Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. I'm your host, Tony Stark. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm wearing glasses because I'm absolutely... I'm done in this weekend, Greg, I'm going to be honest with you. I've, uh, I've had tonsillitis all weekend. My throat's killing. I've been worn out. And I was that tired today that when, when uh, Katie's, my wife's uh, father-in-law, came around, I just lay down on the dog's bed just to, to rest, and I, I fell asleep on the, the dog's bed. So uh, it's not been a good day. But we're here. <laughs> we're bringing you guys the best episode ever as per usual yeah. and we've got a lot to talk about how's it going it's going good neither of us are sleep deprived today we're gonna be no. great we're, we usually shoot these on mondays we're recording mm. this on sundays on a sunday today on sundays this clearly shows where my brain is at and yeah yeah because we we heard wind of a low-key trailer so i mean I'm, I'm assuming this is still coming out after right i mean after the trailer right yeah so magic of editing the Loki trailer, we haven't seen it yet, but by the time this video drops, we'll have seen it. So might change our opinions on stuff. But Greg, what we're going to talk about today? I mean, we're going to do a quick rundown of the box office because you are a self-proclaimed box office expert every single week. You are like, I'm here to deliver the good news about the box office. And like, how are we going to talk about, my God, uh, Marvel and the state of Marvel and the Secret Invasion finale and just their overall feelings. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're dropping that Loki trailer just to make us forget about the Disney Plus experience we all just had. And that is making headlines everywhere. It's a crazy time because everyone's turning. Everyone. Even the outlets that are all about Marvel. They're all turning. The shills. You. The you shills, especially. Me, me specifically. Ryan Aries second. Who one day yeah. will be here on this podcast which i'm excited for sweet guy yeah so that episode's got eight percent on rotten tomatoes at the moment which i, I think's a bit harsh i think that should be reserved for stuff like you know the worst of the worst Catwoman. i'm talking that level uh but it just shows like how that is brand damage to me that is just the brand's completely ruined at this point where even you know, the good stuff doesn't get the highest score. It's kind of like what we saw with the DCEU. You know, there were some really good movies in there, uh, but they, the, the brand damage was just so bad that critics were just like, oh, I'll just give it a bad mark anyway. I don't care anymore. But yeah, we'll talk about that in just a bit. Greg, what is the, the box office rundown? So I can look and clever and not along go, I bloody knew right. it. I'll, I'll spit out randomness while, while you uh, get precise information. Even though you texted me stuff, I'm just going to read what, what, he, what uh, Paul texted me. The Barbenheimer box office, $93 million it made uh, over the weekend, with only a 42.3% dip. That's amazing. I'm learning this in real time, guys. That's, that's a really good hold. Worldwide, $750 million? Dude, Crazy. do you remember when, when uh, Margot was saying how, how, how she was pitching that Barbie could make a billion dollars and she might have overshot it a little bit? This looks like it actually has a shot at making a billion dollars. That's crazy. With that drop as well. Yeah, with yeah. that drop, um, 40. That's, in, that's so impressive. I mean, and they might even do it this week, you know. That's so good. It's like 750 million worldwide. That's insane. Um, Oppenheimer Worldwide box, box Office is 400 million after accumulating 46.2 million with a 44% drop. Damn, man. Barbenheimer is holding. This is so good. This is the seventh biggest second weekend in history for these films. Only surpassed by the likes of The Force Awakens, Endgame, Infinity War, Black Panther, Jurassic World, and The Avengers. That's kind of nuts because there's obviously a certain kind of category for those IPs. 
and to see what these movies are doing, especially for Oppenheimer being an R-rated film. It's nuts, man. But then, you know, we got our Disney talk. Ha ha. Ah, Bob Iger, take it. Take it, Bob. It failed, man. <laughs> yeah, so Haunted Mansion. I mean, we've been saying this for ages, haven't we? I'm not saying like I'm a box office expert or anything. You but, are. You know, occasionally we'll get stuff right. And uh, one of the flops that we said was a guaranteed flop was the Haunted Mansion film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's came in with a 33 million debut at the worldwide box office. That's worldwide as well. That's not mm-hmm. just domestic. Um, and yeah, the, the the film's got a budget of 150 million. Disney just can't get a hit right now. It I remember, like, yeah, I remember watching podcasts um a couple of years ago when they were talking about the big earners for for the year, uh, and I think it was around the time the Last Jedi came out. It was Toy Story 4, basically, um, but they were going over how all of Disney's movies that year passed the billion mark, and they just yeah. dominated the box office that year. And at the moment, they've had like flop after flop after flop. Even the stuff that does, you know, all right, it just tends to break even, um, and it's it's crazy. And this Secret Invasion stuff, wee, getting a bit crazy. So do you want to jump into that next and just kick off? What were your thoughts on the Secret Invasion finale, Greg? Oh, man, uh, it's weird because after four, after episode four, I started like three started showing glimmers of, okay, this is a dip. It's still fine, but it's a dip. And then four was like, oh, uh, I don't know, man. This is really starting to go down for me. You were already on the train of, I don't really like this. And then five immediately was, nope, this is, this is not good. This is just not good. And then by the time we got to the finale, yes, it is not a good finale. It is really bad. It is a really bad finale. I can't say I was disappointed only because, like, am I disappointed by the overall series? Sure. But unlike my experience with something like Moon Knight, for example, or I'll even say Hawkeye, there's something like Hawkeye where that's penultimates of those shows weren't so egregious then the finales were like, ah, oh, they really dropped. They really fumbled it in the finale, though. This was already fumbling the ball so much, and it already dipped like, significantly that it was, it was a weird experience because as the show kept going, the, the quality of storytelling and overall filmmaking just kept going downhill. So by the time I got to the finale, I'm like, yeah, it's really bad, but they primed me to be... Um, They've primed me throughout this this season to uh, have a bad finale, and it was uh, it was embarrassing. There's a lot of silly stuff, and yeah, I bitched about it for like a, a solid 20, 30 minutes, something like that uh, in our video. I just couldn't stop because, yeah, I mean, like it's easy to really complain about it. So I want to get like some quick pros out of the way. I kind of like the ending with Nick Fury and his wife. I thought there was I thought it was a little sweet, even though it didn't really like emotionally do much for me. I thought it was like, oh, this is this looks fine i like the bookend of fury arriving on earth alone and then leaving with someone i thought that was nice and there were parts of the fight i got so many issues with that fight though with guy and grab i got so i got so many issues with the plan it just in general which there's so many problems with it but the visuals have looked worse in a marvel disney plus show before so i'll be like yeah it was it wasn't as bad as it normally has looked there were times where the visuals were were kind of all writing and kind of looked cool but the fight context itself and then what they did with kaya was wow overkill what did you think buddy yeah 
So I'm kind of used to it at this point. Um, obviously we've been covering MCU shows for a while now, and all I, I knew for a fact going in that they do this. Like, so I was writing my script on the day. Um, and normally, you know, I I, I write it as I watch it. So if there's a big twist, oh crap, I've got to go back and rewrite the entire thing to recontextualize it to talk about this twist. So started off five minutes in, you know, talking about Nick Fury saying like, well, the conversation he's just had with his wife um, on the phone, it's a bit weird that. Um, it doesn't really say like, I love you or anything. It doesn't feel like a final farewell. And then I just realized like, as he was coughing, I was thinking, well, he's dead if he goes into a, a reactor like this. Um, so it can't be Nick Fury. It can't be yeah. Nick Fury. It has to be Gaia, who we haven't seen. She's not with um, Vara. So I just, I just thought, oh, I'm going to rewrite that sentence back there. Um, and then, yeah, when we got to that point, I was like, yep, clearly Gaia. Um, I personally think that Fury should have faced off against Gravik. And just yeah. looking at the way that his whole character arc was handled, um, it, he's faced no accountability at all. So he basically used scrolls to be his assassins and spies, got children drafted into his ranks, which is what Gravik was. He didn't get them a home. He also collected all of his mate's DNA to make a super weapon, almost got his wife murdered, got Maria Hill killed, got Talos killed, and in the end started a, a cold war with the Skrulls and humans. Yeah. Didn't face any accountability for it, was just like, right, I'm off, yeah. I'm going back up to Sabre. And I think that he actually left the world in a worse place than when he first came down to sort everything out. Because now Prime Minister, yeah, Prime Ministers are getting gunned down in the street. Uh, there's like a, a war uh, there's a war going on where there's like um I, I don't know how to properly you know talk about the the con uh, let's say the conspiracy theorists with guns that they're, they're going around just shooting people mm -hmm. you know some suspect they're scrolls some don't that sh that should to me should have been the season that should have happened about episode three and then from there you know nick's trying to sort this thing out that would have been um, crazy it, that would have been crazy and, and intense there would have had a real pulse to it yeah, and according to what Daniel RPK said, like, take this as a rumor, but there's not any mention of the scrolls in Brave New World or anything. They so it's not like they're they're building towards something, which we often feel with the Disney Plus shows as well. You know, they they lead they lead into something big at the end, and then yeah, by the next movie, they kind of worry that oh crap, what if people haven't watched this show? Which, judging by the viewing figures, people haven't watched this show, so they don't really mention it. Um, and I just feel in general like. There's too many characters in the MCU at the moment who we're not going to see for a, at least a couple of years. There's yeah. lots of overpowered characters. And also, there's so much going on that it's actually difficult to have impactful things because we know that these creatives who work on these shows, they're not working together as one big cohesive unit. So, no. for example, the directors come out and said, you know, he, he thinks the roadie switchover happened during Civil War, but he doesn't know for definite because no one's actually told him. And if you look at the showrunners behind all these things, they, they'll always come out and say something stupid, like Sam Raimi, I love the guy, but I'm sure he even said he hadn't watched WandaVision. You know what I mean? Yeah, the writers didn't watch WandaVision. Yeah, and I feel like at the moment there's too many different projects that you can't end on a massive, oh shit, moment, you know what I mean? You, can't, you could with Loki because it was set outside of time and space. But all these ones that are really connected to other things, um, you can't have that oh shit moment in the end because it's going to fuck all the other projects completely. It's going to lead to a point where, uh, which I feel now, where these see, I'm going into the finale, looking at the runtime, being like it's a, a thirty minute finale. It's not nothing major is going to happen. 
And if it does, it's going to be downplayed quite a lot and never really be brought into the movie. So, for example, Gaia, bloody hell, overpowered. She could one-shot the entire Avengers lineup. She's got mm. all their powers, got Thanos' powers, who completely wrecked them, Captain Marvel's powers. Like, she is insane. We, we haven't heard of her being in any of the films, and it looks like she's just going to go work for Sonya and probably be in, like, some MI13 TV show where it, it's it's going to... I feel it's going to damage the brand because once you take the stakes away it, it, it and you sort of lose the impact of these shows because we are hitting that point where people just aren't watching them anymore. Um, I, I think it's really going to hurt the brand. I think they have destroyed the brand of Marvel as a whole. And I think we're seeing that in the fact that all of Secret Invasion's episodes have been reviewed as rotten. People just aren't, you know, vibing with it that much. The viewing figures are down. A Samuel, a Samuel L. Jackson-led Secret Invasion TV show that's crazy. To me, Phase 4 should have been Secret Invasion. So you come out of Endgame. It's a like big, big end of the phase. You start far from home. Big twist at the end. Um, Nick Fury and Maria Hill have been scrolls the entire time. Now that that was quite an interesting thing. And though they immediately cut to like Nick Fury lounging about on Sabre, I think had they done things the other way and just not had that scene you know left a bit of intrigue yeah. like what the hell's going on phase mm -hmm. four you can have every single film sort of setting things up you know have Rhodey appearing in movies and be acting a bit suspicious you're like what what's going on with Rhodey? even falcon and the winter soldier which he appeared in there's nothing there to give it away and i feel like they're they retconned this Rhodey twist because there was no way that any of the previous projects that wrote that they were like yeah Rhodey's a scroll during this no way this was a last minute thing yeah. um, that they've tried to retcon and retroactively push into these older films. And if you go back and watch them, don't hold up, mate. They don't. They don't. I think, I mean, I, I did a video talking about specifically why I, I think that twist is so stupid. If, if that is the reveal that Rhodey has been, I mean, the thing that people don't even factor in with the roadie, the scrody in in this in the secret invasion show itself is that even makes that portrayal worse of what that character is depicted like of this the scroll having literally no emotional attachment or association to humanity after freaking dealing with the blip and and then helping to repair fifty percent of everything in the world like to have none of that and. Do you even have the hive mind connection or, or whatever that's called when they're they're neurally linked up? I really thought that Secret Invasion could do something very interesting, and this was something that didn't even dawn on me till the finale when we got to the to the Rhodey moment, where we could see what the conflict must be like for a scroll when they are taking on the memories, they're taking on their state of mind and everything. There has to be some type of dichotomy for them. And especially for a show that was claiming to be about dichotomy, it really doesn't do it with its characters. So, and even like the Scrody never bothering to like when he's going around the hospital with a gun, scared of Nick Fury. I'm watching this going. Doesn't Scrody have the 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 war machine suit? Can't can't he access this suit at some point? He's he's just so reliant on his pistol and other political games that. It, to me, the Scrody just becomes dumber then on all the counts, if that's the case. And yeah, I don't like the idea if he has been. There are like some clues, sure. Like people go to the hospital again, but it's also the fact that he's limping and shit. And so I understand that there can be some clues. I don't, I don't fully believe that to be the case. 
if it is, I think it completely undercuts so much of Rhodey's journey. As this is kind of going back to what you were talking about at the very beginning here, which is about how these a lot of times these filmmakers that come out and are like, oh, we don't actually know this, we don't know that, we didn't watch WandaVision, yada yada yada. And I think the problem is is that they do have so many projects and Marvel, they are huge on secrecy, obviously, but they're too big on secrecy within its own company, within its own, you know, casting crew, specifically the, the crew. Like if you're gonna be doing all these stories that are reactionary to prior projects that are coming out that are all tethered to each other, you you need to have everyone on the same whiteboard connecting the dots. You know, so that way they can all properly tell the story in the hotel because the secrecy is just way too high to the point where they don't, a lot of times the consequences aren't even felt anymore by the time you get to the ending of things. You know, I was joking about how, as, as you were saying, where they'll set this thing up because especially phase four is is a big example of it. And, and now we're in phase five where they'll introduce something, they'll introduce a big plot point that should affect the world and then it just doesn't carry over. Like how, like with the hand in internals, that's, the region of the, that's a one example of it. And I'm even under the impression that even though this show sets up the marvels of what Nick Fury is planning on doing, I really don't think it's going to factor in that much. By the time we actually get to the marvels, I, I just don't have the faith anymore that they're going to really... When you're looking at the trailer for the Marvels, they're, they're dealing with a completely, like a much bigger thing on their hands right now, a much bigger cosmic thing and a completely separate plot. That they don't have time to do the resolution of what Nick Fury is aiming to do when he sets off at the end of Secret Invasion. There's just no way they're going to have time to do that. And, and if they do, it's probably going to be just another rushed MCU movie at that point. So I think they need to get all their ducks in order so that way they can get shit done. There's so much to complain about with this with this, this show, man. I mean, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts on this. Because one thing that really bothered me, um, I mean, there's, there's so much to talk about, was when you do the President Ritson moment and he is saying, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to hunt down all the scrolls, we're going to kill all of them. What was so frustrating to me about that was I feel like there was this massive gap where they didn't show us, was there a moment where Nick Fury and Olivia Coleman had a discussion saying, hey, President Ritson, the reason you're alive is because a scroll named Talos, he's the yeah. one who saved your ass. The whole point of Talos dying was for this just cause, so that way there could be, like they, they completely dropped the grayness of it. I can totally see a way where, yeah, President Ritson would still land on that, but it just seems like Talos' death completely goes to waste in that moment because this show doesn't acknowledge it. There's no after effect of it. Maria Hill's death also feels wasted too. They she dies in the beginning. You get the funeral at the beginning of second of the second episode, and then it seems like the show sets it up that this is going to be some type of personal conquest or some type of retribution. One of the many many factors for Nick Fury's portrayal here. And it's never really a thought, other than the few times where Nick Fury goes, "I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't kill her." Other than that, her death is also wasted. So they have these deaths that they treat as consequential and important, but they're never really brought back up or are truly in service for the story. Even for even for Gaia to a certain extent, you know, the, even that feel, felt weak when 
her point, the point of her, she's the daughter of Talos. And for some reason, it just feels like lost in the mix of this being a part of her identity portrayal in the show. So, I mean, yeah. I was curious what you thought about that. Totally agree. Um, the way I was thought that they could handle it is Ritson appears in Brave New World, and that's when they drop the bombshell, like, no, Talos died to save you, remember that, and that's when he pulls back his forces. But just judging off the one-term president line, I don't think the guy is even going to appear in the movie. I think we're going to start off with Harrison Ford already as the president, and that's going to be it. Um, and okay, yeah, really? Well, yeah, really. I really don't think that Ritson. I think Ritson might get mentioned, but I mean, Ritson becoming president was just like a throwaway line on the news ticker in Wakanda Forever. There's a bit where they're watching about Ramonda's death, and if you read the news ticker along the bottom, it talks about President Ritson. I don't think it's like they're going to give it much focus because, again, people don't watch the TV shows as much as they need to. Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree. Talos's death was just what was the point? Um, I was talking to Ryan Airy at the end of um, episode five and, you know, when Nick's rings up and he's like, let's do this to someone. And he was thinking that that was going to be Maria Hill and that she'd been, you know, hiding in the background the entire time, helping Nick to manipulate things. But completely pointless, obviously, just talking to Gravik, just trying to hype things up or talking to Nick. We'd we'd never find that out. Um, And I think one of the, the big missed opportunities in the show is that we never have like a crazy, oh crap, they're a scroll reveal. You know what I mean? It's I, I was comparing it in my review to something like The Thing, which is, you know, a similar sort of movie setup wise where you've got lots of different, but you've got different characters and there's a shapeshifter among them that can steal someone's memories and look exactly like that person. Now you're watching that whole movie, paranoid as hell. Like, just wondering, trying to pick out clues, who's the thing, no one knows. And then they somehow, like, on that first watch, that the characters that you least suspect as well, they're the thing. Um, And I, I feel like they, there wasn't that big reveal moment. There wasn't a crazy, turned out someone was a scroll. We knew from the off, after the Everett Ross thing, that, you know, pretty much everyone who was going to be a scroll. And that was due to the lack of cast. Obviously, if you have... Secret Invasion is basically like, you're Avengers, some of them are scrolls, some of them on. You're going to have to really pay attention to stuff. When you've got one Avenger in the entire cast, it's obvious who the scroll is. And when it's Rhodey, like, this is something people have been saying for years. Like, Rhodey's going to be the scroll in Secret Invasion. So that just really stripped things away. I think the way the, the show should have ended was that Sonya should have revealed herself to be a scroll. And I think that would have been like, oh, crap. And that's how she knew all the intel. She knew about the scrolls in the first place. And so that that's obviously like me putting my own opinion on stuff that it's not what we got. Um, but I, I think just an extra reveal, even like President Ritson at the end reveals himself to be a scroll or something. Um, and he's doing this all for his own political games to draw attention away from him. Just something extra to really make you feel like paranoid and like, oh, we didn't, we didn't know it the entire time. And I feel like I was always ahead of this show. Even the twist with Gaia at the, the reactor, I was like, yeah, it's Gaia. Was so Don't bother awkward. rewriting the script. Yeah, so, I mean, once they, once they head into a reactor and start coughing and drop the pills, I'm like, well, there's loads of shots from the trailer we haven't seen of Nick looking great in his classic uniform, so it's obviously going to be gonna be like that. Marvel, complete, they completely undercut it, right, with Marvels? Yeah. They, they completely... This, the, the, it removes all stakes when you're fully aware 
Well, Nick Fury's going to be in the Marvels. They've been reminding us about that, so he's going to be fine. Yeah, it's they did they did it with them before Endgame released as well. They released the Far From Home trailer, mm-hmm. and it was that obvious that people were like, "Well, maybe this is set in between." You know, this is set before Infinity War because at the start of Infinity War, they're coming back on a, a bus from a school trip, and people are doing like mental gymnastics to just excuse stupid marketing that spoils the movie. Um, and just looking at everything, I feel like the MCU has lost its clout now. Now, movies are getting delayed left, right, and center at the moment, so this might be out of date tomorrow. Um, but at the moment, the Marvels is actually not getting any IMAX screens due to June booking them out for for five yeah. weeks. Now, if you told me that, t- like, even last year, that I, I would have thought you were crazy because I thought Marvel is basically what the entire film industry is built around. They, The cinemas rely on these big movies to come in. They always make money. They always smash it at the box office. And the amount of films that have been pushed out to, to give Marvel room to breathe, and now they're not even getting the IMAX screens for June, which... You know, first film was pretty successful. It didn't completely do insane numbers, but to be fair, it was released on HBO Max same day. Uh, it still did quite well, but I would have, you know, it kind of feels like a almost an art house sci-fi movie. Um, obviously, it's based on a famous novel, but I still would have thought like, you know, billion dollar grossing Captain Marvel sequel. That would have been what people were booking out. And instead they're like, nah, so's mate, June 2. And it just seems like Disney haven't got the clout anymore because they've had so many bombs back to back. I doubt Haunted Mansion's going to help them out as well. Indiana Jones has been an incredible flop. Little Mermaid did alright. Elementals is actually, you know, starting to do alright, but it's been a long time coming and, and, you know, whether it makes a massive profit is something we're not going to see for, for a while. Um, and I just think, like, look, at, the other day on my Twitter, I put out a poll saying, looking at the lineup on the upcoming slates, do you think Phase 5 will be better than Phase 4? Now, 40% said yes, 34% said no, 25% said maybe. Um, And yeah, I I mean, I've been looking at the lineup, and I'm not even sure how confident I am that it's going to be better, because you've got, like, fair enough, Loki Season 2 is probably going to be good. Daredevil... Uh, I don't know what the over and under for Daredevil being good is because every time I think it's going to be good, they'll come out and say something stupid like, We're not having, we're not, Foggy Nelson's not going to be in the show, or the stuntman will be out saying it's crap. Um, Thunderbolts might do all right. Captain America Brave New World might do all right. Um, Fantastic Four, bloody hell, the casting with that at the moment. Jeez, obviously the strikes, you know, delaying that being announced, but it, I really don't know. I mean, I'm a little, I'm still, I'm not fully confident about Loki season two, if I'm being frank with you. I I love Loki. A lot of people will say that's probably the best one of the shows. Yeah. Um, but the director, whatever her name was, uh, do you remember her name? I forget her name. <laughs> she left the show uh, due to yeah, creative true. differences. And then they brought in the people who did Moon Knight to direct the show now. And to me, when you see her of how she talks about her experience with Loki season one, it just sort of reminds me of when Scott Derrickson, you know, did Dr. Strange and then he was supposed to do multiverse of madness. And then because, you know, there was things like, no, we got to implement this. We got to do this. We got to do this. It started. It's, it, it took over so much of the creative behind it. 
that they the director jumped ship. That's the same impression. I, I mean, I like multi. You and I both like multiverse of madness. We can still acknowledge its messiness. We like it as a Sam Raimi movie. We like we yeah. like Sam Raimi movies, and it's. Uh, yeah. I can totally see why your general MCU fan is just like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, it's like turning. It. And I like the directors of Moon Knight, um, but there's just knowing that fact did get me concerned about what they're going to do. That it's probably going to be a movie that's really this is our chance to truly set up the multiverse, and that was a huge show. Because that was a that was a Disney Plus show, as much as the shows don't matter as much. Um, WandaVision and Loki seem to really matter, especially Loki. Loki seemed like a very important one. You know, even the talk of Ant Man after the post credit scene was the clip from Loki. <laughs> so you know, I think it's actually an important one that people pay attention to. But even like early on, they were showing that stuff didn't really matter because they had Ralph Boner as the big reveal. There was mm-hmm. so much potential I had with that too. And I'm, I know we've been moaning about Ralph Boner for years, but there was so much potential with that to launch the X-Men from it or do something where, because we all thought like, oh, it's going to open up the multiverse at the end of this movie. And, you know, it, it's Evan Peters is going to be revealed to be from another dimension or something. Um, And uh, like Loki I think is good because it's the only show that doesn't devolve into a big CGI fight at the end where it's just like people knocking each other that you don't really feel any impact for. And I think a show like this should have had a smarter ending where it needed to be actually Gravik versus Fury and Fury outsmarting him with his wits instead of just being like, oh, guy, you know what? I know I ruined the guy's life or whatever. I know he's turning into a terrorist, but you... You just go sort it out, mate. And uh, if if he some if he falls into the trap and he gives you super scroll powers, then you're sorted. But uh, if he somehow throws you out of the machine or anything, so is blood. But uh, it's over. What I hate about that scene so much, a I think Gaia's plan is stupid as hell. I think it's a really stupid plan. I'm gonna hand over the the harvest, and I gotta I gotta really hope that we're both gonna be in this like accelerator machine. That way we both get the powers, and then I'm going to go off the chances that we can use these powers, and I can use my powers and beat him. <laughs> like, this is stupid. Like, how do you even know you can use them? Like, how do you even know? I hate that trope. I generally in a fight scene, I I, I hate that trope. Of there's no figuring out, no figuring out how to use any of these. <laughs> what is the classic scene in like Superman movies or something when he he's learning how to use it? <laughs> Even they go crazy. Yeah, the powers even go crazy. Captain America, like when he's running in the first movie, when he's all buffed up, he's like, whoa, I can run, yeah. you know? And that's just running. So the fact that she knows how to be like, sleep, I know how to use my mantis power. Uh, I, I I thought it was so, so dumb. I'm My bigger issue with that is who's, what's the character arc here with Gaia and Fury? Because, you know, um, Fury, when he's talking with uh, Gravik in, in the accelerator, he, he's lamenting so much. And he's even talking about, you know, what my thought was when I started getting dusted away. He, he's explaining what is, you know, I could finally let go of all this stuff. Well, I'm like, well, this isn't Nick Fury's arc because Guy is the one saying all this shit. And is, are, is this supposed to, am I supposed to take it like Gaia is speaking through the voice of Nick Fury or she now understands his perspective. So that's her character arc. How does Gaia know all of this? Cause they clearly didn't talk about any of this shit and she's not mind connected to him. She's just putting on the skin. 
So how does she know all this? Unless there was another off-screen conversation and like you make sure to go through all this when we're talking with graphic or some shit. <laughs> so I'm like, whose character arc is happening in this moment right now? And, and uh, yeah, I think it's really weak stuff. I think the shows and everything got so focused on the endpoints, man, and they they handle their. I hate the casual reveals of stuff with Rhodey. Gravik's death was just so it's done. I'm laying on the ground, and then even Nick Fury returning to form in in his like that that that, that imagery of him being in his classic suit, the eye patch, uh, no beanie on that. The trailers made more of an impact of that when they show the door open and it's Nick Fury. Like, oh, Nick Fury's returning. And it's supposed to be kind of like a symbolic thing of how the show is saying Nick Fury is not his former self anymore. And this is supposed to be a symbolic of his arc. But then in the show, he just like walks into the house to talk to his wife. <laughs> it's just like a casual thing. But the trailers made more of a moment out of it than the actual show did. So I think the, I think they're, yeah, the rushingness. Of the, I, I, you said it earlier. The second you saw the runtime, you instantly knew this is going to be another rushed mess. Yeah, so uh, with the, the Gaia thing, I took it as... I knew that was a clue that it wasn't actually Nick Fury because I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was something like, I felt disappointed or something in how bad this podcast is. But I thought, no, in that scene, he's clearly reaching out to Carol Danvers and saying, motherfucker. So I, I knew that that wasn't Nick Fury. But that conversation, you're completely right. Nick Fury should have had that with Gravik at some point. Because does this now actually mean that he couldn't find them a home? Or are we meant to take that as, nah, this was just guy just winding him up so that he'd go and sort the harvest out to, to inject her with powers and stuff? Um, so yeah, it's just... Again, it just feels like another missed opportunity, which unfortunately I feel is becoming commonplace with all of the, the shows at the moment. You know, One Division enjoyed it, um, felt the ending was a bit disappointing. Falcon the Winter Soldier loved everything with US Agent being a kind of dark Captain America. Um, the Flag Smashers, oh, oh, to be fair to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, they had a lot of issues, like a hell of a lot of issues because it was filmed during COVID. And yeah. they had to reshoot pretty much most of the season, especially its ending, because um, it was they actually had elements of a pandemic in the show originally. Um, and if you cast your mind back, you can you might you might remember the flag smashers stole you know vials of something that they were going to release into the atmosphere, and then that yeah. plot point just got thrown away. Um, so to be fair, you know that show was as good as it could have been because they had so much pressure on them. But think about everything you just brought. Can I get interrupt really quick? Let's see. Like, think about everything you, you just brought up. I'm so sorry to bring it up. You're, you're, because you're bringing me back to things I completely forgot about. Uh, when you said Falcon and Winter Soldier, you said U.S. Agent, and, and I'm going, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was in that show, and and he's okay. You brought up WandaVision with the Ralph Boner thing, and I think the Ralph Boner thing is 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 the poster boy for the symbolic nature of, of what Marvel has become. It really is that. Even with Loki, you know, as, as impactful and crazy of an ending as it was, where we thought this is going to be the craziness that sets up the multiverse. If you look at vast majority of the projects that followed after it, it didn't seem like there was much effect after Loki season two. They eventually brought it back with Quantumania, 
And so what if? Feige has said some sh- Yeah, what if, sure. But it, that doesn't even really clarify that there's really something going on, you know? And um, and and then with Thunderbolts, they're taking, I mean, U.S. agent, they're taking, it takes so long to get to Thunderbolts. It takes so long to bring all this stuff around. So they have all these things happening that I'm completely forgetting about. Captain America. We still hear way more references constantly. Marvel is constantly reminding us about Steve Rogers. And no one ever brings up that we have a new Captain America, actually. (laughs) We have Sam Wilson. And they want us to just accept, you know, by the time we get to Captain America, the fourth one, that we have a new cap, right? And, And... this, but the MCU keeps reminding us about Steve Rogers instead, and you never hear an acknowledgement about a different Captain America out there. So they have all these things that they keep setting up, but you're not seeing how any of this is really, truly having uh, an impact, or it just takes too fucking long to, to get to the thing they set up. It takes so long to get to that payoff that by the time we get there, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that that thing happened. A lot of the, that's how, how a lot of it's been for me is the. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think delaying stuff um, and having long gaps can actually help stuff sometimes. So, for example, you know, Invincible season two. I'm sure I read that it's three years since the first season. Yeah, I think. Um, so. you know, the boys has gaps in between. House of the Dragon has like two year gaps in between its seasons, uh, which I'll talk about House and the Dragon in just a bit as well. Um. And Across the Spider-Verse is another great example. You know, big gap between the first film and the second one. But there's nothing kind of distracting you during that. Now, with the MCU shows, the characters, they're not going to appear for a while. But there's so much other stuff going on in it that you just forget and don't really care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, you're going to have that moment where you're like, oh, yeah, crap, I remember. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Greg, what I think the worst reveal in a TV show or shared universes ever i think it's hulk's son scar who is just brought out <laughs> at the barbecue and like oh this is my son scar by the way i'm not gonna remember i remembered him for this video but in like five years time or whatever when he finally comes back around i'm gonna be like have i seen this guy before be like, oh yeah he was in she hulk he was in she really he was in she hulk i don't remember what episode was that and for the amount of time they wasted in she hulk like the so many episodes in that that I don't remember at all. They could have had an episode just centered around Scar and introducing him. You know what I mean? And it's just like these last minute things where it's like, oh, we'll we'll figure it out down the line. Just drop it in because we're good. At, we're planning on doing some of this, but we don't. We're not actually developing them now. But yeah, just just drop it in. Um, and I I just feel like you're hitting a point of you know we talk about superhero fatigue a lot and. As much as we're like, we, we don't think it's real, we think it's bad movie fatigue, that does hit a point where you do just get fatigued with superhero movies in general. And this year has shown it, because, you know, The Flash didn't do well, Shazam didn't do well, Blue Beetle's opening weekend meant to be like between 10 to 17 million. There's clearly something here going on where even your big projects, like your Secret Invasion, we're going to go crazy, didn't even get a million viewers first week, which is uh, like mental. What? If you told me like 10 years ago, Secret Invasion would, would be made into a TV show where the Skrulls are trying to take over Earth and Nick Fury's trying to hunt them down, I went, oh yeah, the MCU, baby, this is the best franchise in the world. And nah, just, dro- just dropped it all. Well, I don't... 
I don't think Captain Marvel set up the scrolls in a very exciting way either, you know. And that yeah. was our introduction to them. So Well, I, I they did, they're... but they they did something different that the show tried to undo. So in that the scrolls are sympathetic refugees mm-hmm. whereas this is like actually mate, uh, it's been 30 years and they're terrorists now. Uh, it's like it just undermines the org and that like i watched film speaks uh he did a video essay on the the other day and he was talking about how it's actually like problematic to have especially in today's current climate to have refugees like labeled as terrorists yeah. and i was thinking yeah it's not not really a good good message there marvel and uh yeah the fact for the fact that the government's facing no accountability their figurehead he's just uh he's just kind of leaving the world off in a worse place he's like oh whatever the Brits will sort it out. Come on, Sonia. Um, and I'm I'm just reading through an article from the Direct here that talks about the seven biggest criticisms for Secret Invasion's bad review. So, uh, yeah, we'll go through this, and then any final thoughts, we'll, we'll let you guys get away. So, the f- number one, what could have been? So, this point's basically talking about, you know, Secret Invasion, one of, one of the biggest comic book events of all time in the entire history of Marvel. What were you expecting coming in? What are you asking me? Yeah. Were you expecting it to be a big thing or did you have... When I first heard about it, I thought it would be a big thing. I've read the comic. I thought it was an awesome, it's an awesome comic. So I thought it would be more consequential. Going, I thought you were reading off the direct thing because I don't have that in front of me. Um, yeah, I, I expected it would be more consequential. And the trade... I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought the trailers were great. I thought the trailers were... Like oh this looks taut and super tense and, and 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 like a paranoia experience. And to be fair, you know, like we you and I really like the first two episodes, so we thought that they were, we thought it was going to deliver. We were we were defending. I remember on this very podcast we were going, yeah, people get bad reviews, but we really loved it. We thought it was great. And now we're. Now we're here a few weeks later doing these. The checks stop coming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, checks stop coming in. Strike happened. So now studios don't pay us anything. Uh, yeah, man. That's <laughs> just kind of being exactly here with you, just defending the hell out of it. And now we're on this exact opposite train. It's so funny. It's yeah. Second good. point managing new characters. So Gaia ended the series as arguably the most important player on the board. Yeah. Um, but. She's not really put forward as an important character throughout most of the season. Um, it's also yeah, they're just talking about basically all the the side characters like Sonya Falsworth, Vara, how you know they're brought in, but they're not really given like massive. I suppose Gaia is because she's the most important person in the Marvel universe now. Um, Dude, but she doesn't you know. earn that shit, man. She doesn't earn it. No, no, no. It's hard for anyone to earn that. But especially her getting like that overpowered, it's no character. There's no catharsis to it. There's no real payoff in it, and it honestly feels like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. You know? No, completely agree. Um, now, why I wanted to actually read this article out on the podcast um, is because this next point, which I thought I never thought about before, uh, but they're talking about death bait. So. It's basically like your episode ends on a big death or a cliffhanger to get you to come back next week. So Maria Hill died episode one, Scroll Fury Wife reveal episode two, episode three, I'm not too sure. Uh, okay. Oh, Gaia's death in episode three, sorry. Yeah, Gaia apparently died at the end of episode three, but obviously 
she came back next episode, which no one was surprised about because, again, the marketing gave it away. Talos goes down in episode four. Um, and yeah, it's just... They're saying basically, you know, these deaths were sold. It's like, oh, crap. Oh, my God. And then the yeah. next episode, Fury's just like, oh, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> like, And he doesn't... He d- didn't seem impacted by Maria's death at all. Talos's death, no impact on him. Um, he just kept moving forward and was just like, i got to sort this out. I know who a Skrull is. I know Rhodey's a Skrull, but I'll wait a couple of episodes until uh, I confront them. Yeah, so next point, unless you want to talk about that one for a bit. No, I feel like we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, too, with the death baiting, man. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real problem. Like we talked about, there's, there's no true residual consequences to any of this stuff. No, or is it something that seems to factor into anyone's character arcs, really? Yeah. So the next point they're saying the MCU Super Scroll, um, saying, you know, originally Super Scrolls just had four powers, which kind of kept them limited. Um, whereas, yeah, they kind of jumped the shock and gained the ability of virtually every hero and villain in the history of the MCU. They applied zero subtlety to it as they showed the range from Drax to Mantis to Thanos to turning Gaia into a remade Captain Marvel. The worst, oh, the worst offense of this overpowered character is that it left Gaia on the board. A character that has already had a less than stellar introduction in the MCU is now the most play- powerful player. Yeah, and they're saying basically the Superman problem has made its way to the MCU. Which Superman problem, in case you don't know, guy's too overpowered. Like, what can challenge him? Um, I feel like they're gonna do a cop out and basically be like. Oh, the powers only lasted for 48 hours. They wore off after a while. And it's just going to be, be a complete cop-out. Did they explain why Gravik could not heal? Yeah, I don't know, because he got stabbed in the exact same spot earlier in the fight. He gets, like, lanced through it with that frost giant arm or whatever. And then he gets shot through it. Yeah, you'd think that with having all the power, like, so many powers, with extremists also included in that mix, that he would be able to heal from that. Yeah, you know, say we want about She-Hulk, man, but they really, they really uh, nailed down the average Disney Plus finale. Though they, when they ripped on what happens usually. They Secret Invasion immediately did it. That's actually point five, um, which is She-Hulk warned about Marvel Studios oh, no shit. finales. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's basically talking about how She-Hulk blatantly called attention to them, just you know, <laughs> resorting to these CGI-driven fights instead of focusing on the story being told. Um, for they say for for Secret Invasion to be this grounded espionage story, everyone was waiting for you know a, a cerebral ending. Um, and what we get is one of the most over the top CGI fights. That's just every power of every hero and villain just yeah. sm- you just action figures just smacking together. Um, yeah, and the the sixth point is the lack of a conclusion, which again we've talked about before. You know. It, what Fury's left the planet like? There's like a Cold War going on. Um, genocide of Skrulls and humans alike. Guy is off with Sonya Falsworth, the combat, at this initiative. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of all over the place with the most powerful character still left on the board uh, who could probably take over the planet single-handedly. I mean, the Avengers could come together, but there's not many people. And the, uh, the final point is the James Rhodes situation. Which, yeah, talked about that. It's just, I, I feel like 
they can't do it at Civil War. They just can't have that be the turning point because it just robs the character of so much development. Yeah. Um, the most, I mean, the most impactful moments that Rhodey's had in the MCU, or at least some of them, it, if it is Civil War, it's saying he was a scroll during that. You know, he's not there for the death and funeral of Tony Stark. Um, didn't make the the baby Thanos joke. They're saying didn't witness the creation of Tony Tony Stank. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just stupid. You know really what stupid. I? I think that sure there is an argument. The reason why okay, I'll tell you why I don't why I don't love this argument. Because I've heard it, they say I, I thought it too at first. Of okay, well. There could be something really compelling for Rhodey to make it a, a true, a true compelling character. Because Rhodey has never, to me at least, been the most compelling character, right? And I think Armor Wars was the idea that here we could really start doing it. Like Don Cheadle's always been very charismatic and he's great support, but I would never, I have never really been like that's a compelling character. He's one of my favorites, and it seems like Armor Wars could be the thing to set him up for that. And it, let's say, let's say it was Civil War. And when it all started, and this is where it allows him to come to all these realizations and, and the place that I belong. And he wasn't around for Tony's death. And arguably, he's the one who might need to take up sort of the Iron Man imagery now because he's War Machine. Uh, and then also, but as much as I think there's room for potential for, for something to make really rich out of that character. I highly doubt my belief in the what what they allow for their writers because of how the studio rushes everything now and doesn't really inform their writers. And the fact that they want to make Armor Wars, they're making Armor Wars a movie now instead of a show. I don't feel like the movie would give the proper treatment they would need for Rhodey to deal with the resolve on all these things that he missed out on and the, the experiences of grief. It, like he's, there's so much the guy would have to process and deal with that. The movie would probably just brush past a lot of it or rush through a lot of it without giving real service to it. And the reason I say that is because of how the MCU has been lately that I highly doubt they would be able to do it justice. Yeah. So I really hope that it, they, something feels like they were testing the waters to see what their response is. I don't know if you get that impression. Some like we're going to intentionally say we do. We're not going to intentionally, you know, tell you guys exactly when this took place. But we kind of want to see the response, even though we have laced some clues that it could be after the events of right after the events of Civil War, due to the fact that he can't walk and all that jazz. So it could be that. But you know, I there's also the argument that. It could have just been right after Endgame, uh, so yeah, I think it, I think it could have been after that. I think that makes the most sense. I I think that does because Gravik hadn't turned against Fury at that point, so there'd be no reason for him to be abducting people and swapping them out with scrolls. Also, looking at the timeline, Greg, Civil War is set in 2016, Secret Invasion set in 2025. That means that a scroll was pretending to be roadie for nine years which yeah. i couldn't be asked with it mate i couldn't be asked with that nine years of doing that crap um and i think one of the reasons that the scroll didn't use any of roadie's armor and why he he didn't use it in falcon and the winter soldier is because that armor has ai in it that would probably be coded directly to roadie's dna and i think they might explain it with that so if he try and get in because after um 
Iron Man 3, obviously everyone's just getting suits and getting the Iron Patriot suit. So I think they would have upgraded it at that point because Tony Stark's known for his upgrades. Um, and I think they would have made it so that, you know, if you don't actually have Rowdy's DNA, you can't pilot it. So that's why I don't think it was in those shows. The only way I would say this, like, Scrody would have been more, if, if the Civil War thing would, it would be effective, if, if they revealed Scrody was the big bad of it, you know, if he was the mastermind. It makes no sense to me that this Scrody would be Gravik's bitch after every single thing that he's been through, especially dealing yeah. with like Thanos and the battle for Earth. You know, there's just no way I could see this guy going, yeah, I'm just going to answer to Gravik from, from here on out. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah. There comes a point where you drop the cover as well. I feel in that final battle, you know, when Rhodey's paralyzed, the, the iron, when Thanos basically attacks Avengers HQ, we get a, a cut to Rhodey, who has red blood at that point, I must mm-hmm. point out. Uh, but lying in the the Mark One suit, that's destroyed. Goes canopy, canopy, canopy. Rolls out, crawls across the floor to get into the you know completely messed up, trying to free Rocket from under the rubble. I feel at that point, you know, you stop pretending to be paralyzed and just uh, get yourself out of there. And yeah, for for them to just keep up the act. I mean, the, the, they couldn't even keep the act up during like some scenes with Nick at the hospital or when they were having that drink, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, to keep the act up throughout all that. And, and I think they're going to see the backlash from fans as well and just be like, nope, uh, it was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, guys. You guessed it. Yeah. So yeah, just, just just stupid. Um, but another thing, you know, we keep bringing up Disney budgets and box offices. I think it's important to talk about how much was spent on Secret Invasion. So the budget is $225 million six 40-minute episodes. I'm going to give you a comparison. Talked about this on Twitter at the weekend. House of the Dragon, 10-hour-long episodes, 200 million. Wow. Which you compare, like, you know, you can't, you can't show up to House of the Dragon just wearing your normal clothes, you know what I mean? Looking like Tony Stark. You, you have to get a proper outfit and costume, and every single actor's got to have that. Secret Invasion, you know, I feel like you can kind of do that. It was also shot in location in places like art galleries, restaurants a lot of the time, um, n- you know, newsrooms, not places that are massive sets that you have to build, which, you know, House of the Dragon had hell of a lot of sets going on. Obviously the actors. Um, so I actually got information on how much Samuel L. Jackson was paid. He was paid uh, $20 million. He was paid $20 million, um, And then the, the other actors were paid like... I think 1.6 was the next highest um, amount, and then it was from there, like, dropping in lower increments. And, yeah, just to think, like, even if you take away Samuel L. Jackson's salary, they're both still 200 million shows. Mm-hmm. And looking at the runtime, you know, 30-minute finale, House of the Dragons, like, all an hour-long episode with... Crazy yeah. CGI dragon fights and stuff. That episode three, when there's the big fight at the end, and then there's loads of dragons and things. I just don't get where the money gone. I don't where don't get where the money gone. Um, and from what people have been saying as a reply to that, they've been saying that they basically shot the show several times and changed a lot of things. Um, and they there were also comments saying like Victoria Alonso's just went crazy with constantly changing the CGI, so they have to. Remake bits over and over and over again. Obviously, she's been let go. Whether it's true or not, we don't know. But 
Yeah, like how do you even justify a budget for this of that yeah. when you compare it to prestige HBO television that, you know, it it doesn't have a massive cast in it, but it's still got some big names that are part of it. I just don't get it. I don't get where the money went. That's been the conversation of Marvel, man, is what's happening with <laughs> Laundering. Because we I it it doesn't show on screen. We we all know the stories about the VFX artists being you know, whipped around and, and but not giving enough time. They're constantly changing stuff. So wherever that money is going, a lot of it doesn't truly get a shine on screen because of the, the constant reworking that they're doing. That it, things just don't get a shine, man. I mean, She-Hulk was also super expensive, and the CGI on that was a massive criticism for it. Quantumania got a lot of criticism for it. You know, and they're always they're always changing stuff. Like okay, so like the good superhero ones, like Guardians Three, we often because I I kind of just feel like its own camp. Like that's a James Gunn movie, <laughs> even though it is a MCU. You know, James Gun- Guardians Three is the is the the one thing in Marvel this year that a lot of people seem to be on board for, and Spider Man across the Spider Verse. But yeah, man, it's bumming me out. It's bumming me out. Um, I'm I'm hope I'm holding out hope. Let's hope maybe tomorrow. Maybe like the thing is we're doing this all this talk talking about Marvel, right? And the thing I I'm wondering is we're shooting this before the Loki season two trailer comes out, and I I know that fans can be very reactive when it comes to anticipation. So if that trailer bias, is like, yeah, yeah if, tra- if the trailer is awesome as hell, you know, people there could be a huge pendulum swing where people are. Uh, Marvel's back. Look, they're going to be saved with Loki season two, you know? And I think, I think there's nothing that can get me there right now. Everything is, I'm going to proceed with caution. There used to be a time where you're like, yeah, Marvel's coming out with something. It's exciting. And now it's Marvel's coming out. I'm, I've yeah. made it this far. We might as well just keep doing uh, I I do wonder. I, I actually started wondering, would I be as on top of watching this stuff now? If I didn't cover it, you know, um, would I be as adamant about making sure to watch this stuff now? Or would I be like, I'll just wait for it all there. Yeah, I feel like I might have checked out. I know for a fact if I wasn't doing this as a job, I would have checked out. But, you know, I am excited for Loki. Obviously, we got that leaked trailer from D23, I think it was. Watch that. I think that's a great trailer. You know, I'm guessing it's going to be sort of along the same lines. Might not be the exact same trailer, but. If it's, you know, if it's that, I'm going to be excited for it. But um, I kind of do feel like I'm hitting a point where even if it is really, really good, I'm still going to be like, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. It's kind of. I got a no, sh- I just got a. <laughs> I, don't, I think I got that saying the my... wrong way around. So this just popped up on my YouTube page. <laughs> that's, that that says Marvel Shields finally come out and criticize Secret Invasion's trash finale. And I'm on, the thumb- I'm on the thumbnail for it. Excellent. And I'm like, hey, yo, man, I've, I've, been, I've been pretty critical of Marvel, <laughs> all, all their stuff lately. <laughs> it's just kind of funny that, yeah, okay, I guess this is... I feel you is- get a lot of um, negative comments anyway. I mean, I got a tweet last yeah. week saying, like, I'm, uh, I'm being way too negative. Like far, yeah. far too negative recently, and I should just be happy with what we're getting and stuff. And I'm like, uh, I don't. I feel like I'm critical, but I still try and give positives. But you know, when you hit a point where it's just kind of all the time, it's getting a bit, getting a bit kind of. Yeah. 
So key. I remember being one of the first ones to bitch about Quantumania publicly, and I got so much crap because. Yeah, you did. Yeah, because yeah. that was at a time when people were like, "It's the best movie yeah. ever." We've uh, we've we made the like some people were saying it was like one of the best sci-fi films ever made and stuff. And I was like, "No, it's <laughs> not good, guys." <laughs> and then so, and then weeks later, it all started coming out. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, um. And then now something like that. Something like this just makes me laugh. Now. No, I got a try. I got. I got a logbook here of when I've been critical. Yeah, for me it was Thor: Love and Thunder. But to be honest with you, Greg, even now I'll get tweets saying, "Oh, this is the yeah." But you said Black Widow was amazing, and I'm like, I a hundred percent didn't. And I I have to screenshot my review where I, I say I thought it was really bad and send it to them, and then they just don't reply. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, mate, I didn't say... I gave it a 6 out of 10, you know what I mean? I'm not... I wasn't singing its praises. Uh, yeah, and it's... it's it does get exhausting, the whole shill conversation, because it's like, no matter how many times you give, like, you'll say something's bad. If you say something's good, you're a shill. If you say something's bad, you're a hater. And there's absolutely yeah. no in-between, because people are absolutely moronic and will just jump to these labels because they can't understand nuance. Yeah. Like, I honestly think they're just buzzwords that people use because if they were like people who thought secret invasion was okay now say it's bad it wouldn't get the clicks so it's like the marvel shills getting uh getting crazy stuff they're finally turning against it so it made that was like thor love and thunder i think my thumbnails are are the most misleading parts of the th- it's the problem with my face and thumbnails because i'm often i'm always like what's like the most engaging expression reaction if I, you know, if there's a, if it's the reaction kind of video, and uh, I think a lot of times that can be misleading. So I'm trying to just yeah. There's no way this person's watched your like hour long reactions. <laughs> yeah, to, to hear my nuanced conversation. Week. Yeah, there's just no way. <laughs> yeah. they've, they've just seen that you like Marvel sometimes, and that <laughs> you've said Secret Invasion's bad. Like he's a bloody shell, but he's turned against it. He's turned against it finally. <laughs> he's finally on it. <laughs> yeah because like what can i say because if i keep if i say something's bad i'm now turning against the franchise if i say something's good i'm shilling it's like guys are morons like i don't need a shill yeah. for it. like most companies hate me genuinely because i spoil their films you know disney's not disney's not ringing me up going like can you drop a, a plot leaks video on the marvels <laughs> and at the end say that you, you're not you don't really think it's gonna be that good like oh yeah of course mate i'll spoil the entire thing you know what i mean i gotta go to so, a uh, any... lunch ball <laughs> well i know for a fact you're gonna watch that video in full first and be like oh what they no saying? it's an hour and a half i don't got time to waste <laughs> on that oh, yeah yeah so i'll watch it for you in a, a comment yeah. on it saying great video really got on his ass there yeah, yeah. and leave timestamps too this for the real rejects part, yeah. the best part was right here yeah. yeah oh they got uh they got cosmic wonder on it as well oh you found oh, it no. yeah i just did i typed marvel shields in and did, uh, <laughs> by recently it. uploaded yeah finally got it finally got it uh, so yeah guys thanks for sitting with us for another enthusiastic video where <laughs> uh, we do get really negative on these things which are we holding you know, hands? No, we don't want to be. I just realized. Are we in the holding hands pose? We might be now. Um, oh, but I, sometimes they flip it around randomly. But yeah, guys, uh, thanks for watching our marathon of holding hands. 
if you want to support the channel you know subscribe to the podcast uh we drop it all the time every week we're trying to do it weekly we have done it weekly so far it's also on spotify amazon podcasts any other podcast that you listen to apple podcast yeah because we got to pay for that those sums of a bitches so yeah if you want to those links are in the description you can listen to us on the go um if you want to support the channel and buy our merch then we can do that and yeah well uh thanks a lot again for sitting through this obviously we'd also love to hear your comments on secret invasion you know tell us that we should be thankful for getting anything and not have to go back and get proper jobs uh call us shills call us uh haters whatever you want mate but uh thanks for engaging with us we love you support's really blown us away and yeah. uh yeah honestly nice. you guys you make it you make it amazing thanks a lot you take care peace peace